Welcome to the Getting Started Podcast. Join me and my guests as we take a look at how businesses are built and ideas brought to life to help you get over those hurdles that stop you getting started. And I'm your host, Claire Durran, online consultant, business owner, and serial dreamer. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. Today's guest is a personal friend of mine, Gemma Brown. Gemma is a fantastic personal and business coach who works to empower people through her one-to-one coaching sessions, as well as group workshops. In these sessions, Gemma helps people to realise their potential, that they have the ability, drive and know-how to be successful. I am so excited to share today's conversation with you. We take a look at Gemma's personal experience starting a coaching business and we cover some really important subjects including self-care and dealing with imposter syndrome. I personally got so much out of today's conversation and I was taking notes the whole way through. So I hope you enjoy it too. Oh, thank you, Claire. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you too. I've been wanting to get you on here for a while, so it's really great to have you with us today. And I'm excited for the chat that we're going to have and some of the wisdom that you have to share with us. Oh, me too. No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) So kick us off, Gemma. Tell us a bit about your background and what you do. So I've done various things in my background and worked in various different industries and it wasn't until about two or three years ago that I decided to become a coach. I hadn't really, I wasn't somebody who knew what they wanted to do or didn't have that sort of burning passion growing up Um, and I was always really jealous of people who really knew what they wanted to do and they followed that dream and they, they, they chased that and I always felt a little bit inferior, not not knowing um so the sort of my background is studied quite generally at school and and at university doing quite broad subjects to keep my options open and after leaving university i worked in the pharma industry and i worked in public sector as well and doing sort of project management and event management working with great teams of people and then went off traveling for about 14 months. So I know you're a keen traveler as well. So that was an amazing experience um, in Australia and Bali. And then when I came back, I was offered a job in the tourism sector. So the sort of bulk of my career was working for a tourism company um, and got to travel around and live in different parts of the UK, leading large teams of people through quite challenging times. Um, generally through like acquisitions and business takeovers and ended up living in Cornwall which was amazing as well and at that time I started having my own coaching and I it was a time when I was feeling a little bit well, a lot stuck and kind of um, feeling as though I had lots of the things that should make me happy but wasn't feeling happy and I really wanted to find out more about that. So I started working with a personal coach who, when I started with her, had no idea what coaching was really, didn't know what I was getting myself into, but she helped me really understand myself, get to know myself and work out what it is that I wanted to do and be. And I was so inspired by that relationship and working with her and just the possibilities that that opened up that I felt 
pulled towards doing that as a career. So um, that's when I, I retrained to become a coach. And here we are. Wow, amazing. Your story is so inspiring because you've really been on a, on a journey mm. from kind of not knowing and not really having you know, a clear direction, which I think some people and probably most of us kind of feel like we should have that plan of our lives to kind of go forward that, that we need to study this at university in order to get that job and have that career or whatnot. So I, I really am inspired by, by your journey and the fact that you can openly say that you didn't know and that you were open to kind of keeping your options open. And, and exploring things like that and yeah I just love that and also of course the traveling love, love <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing um I wonder in the midst of it all did you feel that you always wanted to be a business owner or an entrepreneur or um, a freelance solopreneur no not one jot <laughs> so <laughs> it didn't even cross my mind um I think I would have seen that as quite risk of sort of risky to be a business owner and set up my own business. And I guess growing up, I was quite risk averse. And um, so didn't even consider it, didn't even cross my mind to become a business owner. And I think I probably didn't have that many um, role models around who modeled that sort of female entrepreneur um, at the time. So it really didn't cross my mind and I think even when I trained to become a coach the driving force there wasn't about setting up my own business it wasn't about being a business owner it was about following a passion following a something that I was just really interested in really excited about uh, really believed in the power of coaching and knew I wanted to use my skills to help others um find their direction find their way and get to know themselves so yeah never even considered myself as an entrepreneur to be honest i love that i love that your journey has led you to this place because of your passion to help other people and you mm. kind of seems like you've overcome the challenges that setting up your own business might have had for you because you had that driving passion to kind of use your skill set to help other people that's you know huge i imagine there are people listening as well who can relate to having a passion for something but not quite knowing how to start a business and kind of crack on as such mm. particularly at the moment i mean the world is crazy the covid over the last 12 months has changed everything i wonder if you can talk a little bit about how you've navigated in your business and your coaching um clients through kind of the last 12 months of covid Mm, well, it's been a huge learning curve. Um, I've experienced probably, yeah, similar to other people, real highs and lows through this time and learn a lot about myself and what's important to me as lots of other people have. Um, and at the start of the first lockdown, I was hugely anxious, really overwhelmed. I, I, I found it extremely draining because I was worried and I, my natural um, reaction to uncertainty is to try and take control and put plans in place and organize everything and, and, and try to do more. But obviously it wasn't that straightforward and it was a hugely worrying time. So I found it a really hard, time in, in sort of the early part of the first lockdown 
I was trying to force too much and control things that I couldn't control. And so at that point, I really recognized the importance of self-care. Even, I think I always have, but I'd never really had to kind of bed down into sort of self-care practices as much as I, I did then. And I think the turning point for me was sort of recognizing that I need to look after myself so that I can be there better for my clients and friends and family. And I think there was a real shift in my mindset around that time, not seeing as looking after myself as, um, as a luxury. Mm-hmm. And I think because of the nature then of the coaching, what other people were bringing into the coaching sessions, that was quite heavy. There was a lot of stress. There's a lot of worry. I was finding it, it quite draining um, because you do take on naturally take on sort of some of the emotions um, that are brought into the session so uh, I, I think you know self-care is something I'm a huge advocate like you are as well and looking after our well-being and and hopefully I've been able to um, help clients kind of prioritize that a little bit more as well so I think that's definitely been one of the the top things I've learned through the last 12 months. And then I think not trying to control the uncontrollable. So really focusing on that, that is within my, my control um, has been a, a really another sort of grounding point for me. Self-care. That is a, you know, we could talk for hours on that. And I think, you know, I follow you on social media and that is instantly something when I think about who display self-care well online and you are definitely a real champion for that mm. and um you you share quite a lot about it as well and and it's something that we've all you know had to try and adopt i wonder if you could just maybe share kind of the top couple of th- self-care things that you do that you know have been helpful for you during the last couple of months mm. um i think I have have to say, because I say this a lot, but it is about finding out what works personally for you. And I think one of the dangers with social media is we see so much of what other people are doing and then judge ourselves against that and think, well, why am I not running that far? Or I should be doing that. Or that's what the perfect self-care regime looks like. And it's, it's, it's a great place of inspiration, but I also think it's really personal and you need to sort of understand what you need to be able to look after yourself so for me I really focus on my needs yeah what do I need to be able to do to look after myself and and around a lot of that is around creating calm environments having space Uh, the, the main thing that I've loved is walking I don't know about you I've never walked so far like every day and I'd never seen the true joy that can be found in just kind of walking around my village, well, however many times I have this year. But for me, it just gives me space outside of these four walls. Uh, I think better. I instantly feel better just from getting out. And so walking has been a, a huge feature. And journaling as well. I, I write everything down and... I know when I'm feeling in a funk or feeling a bit jittery, 
Mm. One of those two things will really help me. There's something about just getting it on a piece of paper and seeing the words and it instantly takes pressure out of the situation. And it's very, um, yeah, very therapeutic for me personally. Wow, I love that. I, I wish I could be disciplined enough to journal. <laughs> Well, I was thinking of setting up a, a journaling, yeah, sort of like regular workshop, so maybe live on Instagram, just because I think lots of people do want to do it, but they just, you know, things get in the way, don't they? And I was, I was thinking maybe we should kind of be accountable to each other and yeah. have a... You should definitely do that, and I will definitely sign up. <laughs> Hopefully you can help me become a better, a better journaler to kind of get, get my kind of thoughts down onto paper. I love what you said there about making sure that you're choosing the things that are right for you, not necessarily what you see people do on social media, because, you know, we are always faced with this kind of cookie cutter, perfect impression of what people are doing and what lockdown looks like for people, whether they're, you know, having the perfectly, you know, eloquent meal at home or they're, one of the few that got to jet off to Dubai. Um, you know, we are always comparing ourselves to, to what other people are doing and that's not always the right approach for us. One of the things that I really love that you do Gemma with um, your coaching and your workshops is you run um, a workshop all about overcoming imposter syndrome. Mm. And you talk a lot in, on your socials and in your content about, you know, what that is and what that looks like. I wonder, it's a word that a lot of us have heard and we've heard spoken about, but how would you actually define imposter syndrome? You're right. It's a, it has become more common term used. And I think sometimes when these terms become really commonplace, we forget their meaning or we, 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 we just latch onto the word rather than thinking about what it actually means. So I think it's described as a set of thoughts or feelings associated with feeling like you're a fraud or that you're going to be found out at any moment and people who experience imposter syndrome rarely acknowledge their own success and uh, as being down to them so they may say things like oh it was lucky that i got that job or oh, i was just in the right place at the right time um, I got this by accident. So they're really dismissing their own ability, skills and attributes in achieving their success. Um, and it was originally studied in the 70s. I think um, some psychologists were studying high performing women in particular, successful women who were experts in their field. And they concluded that no matter how many um, accreditations or qualifications these women had in quite niche areas they didn't recognize it in themselves and so that's when this imposter syndrome was first defined and I think since then there's been further studies to um, you know to identify that it's not just really high performing people actually it can affect anybody and everybody and men as well equally. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. I hadn't, until you really defined it there, recognised that in myself, the kind of dismissive things. We often think that people will think that I'm faking it, that 
is often what I think about imposter syndrome that I'm making it up as I go along or that Mm. I'm not as skilled as I think I am or I portray myself to be but actually that dismissive part of it's really interesting isn't it because Mm. everyone probably uses oh it was just good luck as you said as humility or Mm. a way of kind of playing not not being arrogant or you know whatever and that actually that kind of comes in part of imposter syndrome which is I hadn't realized that before Mm, I think there is that as well we don't want to be seen as arrogant necessarily or 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 maybe we for some reason we view it as like arrogant by just saying yeah I got I got that job on merit or if you look at all my past experience you'll understand how I've you know got to be where I am and I think but telling ourselves that on repeat over and over can be quite detrimental if we're if we're talking down our successes and I think it's once you notice it you might start to reflect on it a lot more and then become more aware and then start to pick up on that sort of inner narrative that you've got who's saying oh yeah that was just lucky the right place at the right time yeah definitely and you mentioned the study was initially done on women is there evidence to say that women suffer with this imposter syndrome more than men or is is it equal um i don't know specifically i but in my experience i I've had men and women on my w- workshops uh, who both experience it, it in imposter syndrome. I have worked and led teams who've included men and women, and they have sort of used the same types of language as well. So I think although it was originally done with women, it, it, it's sort of men and women now. And originally they said, I think it was 70% of people will be affected by imposter syndrome at some point. I mean, I think it's more than that because everyone I speak to resonates uh, with it. And and we, everybody I coach, it comes up, confidence, that internal narrative that's ready to knock you down. So, so I I think it's more than 70% and it's definitely across both um, male and female. It really is something that is more common than, than we think, isn't it? I wonder, have you, or could you share with us, have you experienced imposter syndrome in your career or, or, or your life? Gosh, yes, all the time. <laughs> and, and so I, I do start my imposter syndrome workshops by saying I have a confession, I am an imposter as well, because I think we don't, we see confident people and we see... Um, successful people standing up giving speeches you know Oprah Winfrey Michelle Obama have you know themselves admitted to having imposter t- syndrome but I think we see people as confident and successful and we don't associate that they could be having those same feelings that we have and so then it it spirals even more it creates it's a bigger issue so I think it's really important that we do share how we're feeling and we're more honest about it because I bet that other person who you're speaking to will be able to say, yeah, actually, I feel like that too. And, you know, don't worry or give you some advice or, you know, even just sharing your stories helps you feel more confident. So I've certainly felt it definitely during my career. It's held me back from applying for jobs, probably when I thought, actually, I'm not good enough to do that or uh, speaking up in certain meetings or with certain people or certain colleagues around the, the table, it's, it's definitely held me back. I can recognize that now. At the time, I didn't 
I didn't see it. So I think doing a lot of work on yourself helps to understand where that comes from. And, and I'm a big advocate of getting to know your imposter and sort of befriending it and, and understanding it so that you can start to understand what situations it might show up. Um, what work or preparation you might need to do in those situations to give yourself a better chance of feeling more confident when that time arises. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really important that we all, you know, are able to be vulnerable enough to, to share our stories. Like you said, I think the more that we do that, hopefully the more people that can overcome it as well. And I hate, I hate the fact that it holds people back and that they miss opportunities or you know they prevent themselves from progressing in life just because of a voice that's essentially lying to them in their head mm. it's, it's hugely saddening to see people's like they almost dull their own sparkle because of you know the lies that we we tell ourselves it's it, it's really it's really sad isn't it it really is. And I, uh, sorry, you go. No, you, you carry on. Okay. I was just going to say, you mentioned about social media earlier and, and self-care and that comparison. And I think that's also something that can exacerbate people's imposter syndrome as well, because we see all the shiny, great stories and everyone's successes on um, social media it can then knock your confidence even further, I think. And I think it's really important to remember what you see on social media isn't the whole the whole story is just a snapshot and um, we shouldn't kind of um, compare ourselves against everything that we see and especially as business owners as well yeah, especially I guess with the you know the work that you do as well Claire it's, there's so much noise out there there's so much opportunity to compare ourselves but we have no idea how that person behind that picture is feeling or what's going on for them we just see the picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah that's one thing that I I um, speak to my clients about is that on one sense in the social media world you want to look at what your competitors are doing so you can kind of stay on top of it and you can stay ahead of the curve and you can detect new trends that are arising in your industry but on the other hand I also tell people don't look at their competitors mm -hmm. because actually in the personal branding space where I, I do a lot of work with people is that the thing that makes you different isn't what you're competing with somebody. That's what, let me rephrase that. It's the, um, what am I trying to say? I'm saying it's not the, um, you shouldn't be comparing with other people because you have a different story mm. and it's that story that makes you unique. And the more that you compare, the more that you, almost you try and mimic somebody and do do what they do and you lose your authenticity then and you lose your way even even more which I think you know is is really sad sad to see when when mm. people lose lose themselves in it absolutely and I think underneath all of this what we're talking around about is authenticity and speaking your truth and accepting your truth, whatever that is. And when I think you can do that, you start to then look inwards for um, confidence and reassurance rather than ex externally. And so I think underneath imposter syndrome is a you know, bit of work to do around, am I, am I happy with myself? And, and do I trust myself? And do I believe in myself? Uh, so then 
you can feel more confident in what you're saying and the work that you're doing, whatever that might be for you. It sounds to me that imposter syndrome and all of this self-work, it's all kind of wrapped up in, in your mental health as well. Would you say that, that that's fair, that there's a real link with maybe if you're, if you're feeling your mental health is suffering, that imposter syndrome is part of that? Mm, I think that's a really good question. I think, well, I don't think it's a registered sort of mental health disorder, um, imposter syndrome. Obviously, I'm not an expert on that, um, but I think it compounds it and I think it can really affect how you're feeling about yourself. So if you're not valuing your self-worth, I guess that's going to impact on, think, you know, depressive feelings or... Uh, anxiety um, could be heightened because of it so absolutely and if we think about um, the time now people are feeling more stressed perhaps working longer hours doing a lot juggling a lot if you're already feeling inadequate and you've got negative feelings of feeling you're, you're not good enough you're going to be working even harder to try and keep up and keep up the pretense so i think you're then risking things like burnout um, and serious stress so i think there's it definitely compound uh, compounds mental health mm. disorders and issues yeah it's so complex isn't it mm. i'm gonna switch the next two questions around okay <laughs> oh okay yes that seems to work better. So I'll ask you number 10 now. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll ask you number nine afterwards. If that makes sense. Yeah. So people listening, if they're, you know, wanting to start a new business or entering an entrepreneurial space or, or starting a new project or something, and they feel held back by these feelings of I'm not good enough, or I don't have the right skills, or I'm not, that's not for me. What, what advice would you give them? Starting anything new can be scary, but I think you know, you're starting something new for a reason. So really remember your why, why you're doing something. I think that is a great, um, it's very good at grounding you back to remember why you're doing something. Often when we start something new, and I had this myself starting out as a, a coach, we discount all of our vast experience that's gone before. So we think, well, I'm a beginner, I'm starting from scratch, and we then forget about everything else that's happened previously, all of our experience and work experience, um, the knowledge and everything that we have gathered up until that point. So I think it's really important to reflect back over that and recognize your skills, your strengths, your abilities, what's unique about you. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm a, I'm a big fan of journaling. So write that down, get it on paper so that it's there for you to easily refer to. So you can kind of regularly um, remind yourself of your skills and your abilities. Because what our imposter does is it talks to us and it, like you said, it tells us lies. It doesn't speak from a place of truth. It doesn't look at the facts. So when we start a new job, we think, Oh, I'm not going to be very good at this. Oh my gosh, I don't know anything. I don't know anybody. But if you look back at your past experience, I've, I've started new jobs in the past. I was fine. I was confident. I learned the things I needed to learn. I did the job that I needed to do. That's the fact. 
this, you know, what your imposter is telling you is not fact. So I think identifying your skills and strengths, abilities and experience, write it down so it's visible and easily sort of um, somewhere you can easily find it and refer to it. And then ask your imposter, where is the evidence? Because um, that's where I think you need to challenge your imposter syndrome. Wow, that in a nutshell is so helpful. Like three steps, really clear steps there that people can practically get get their teeth into. And I mean, you've you're very inspiring, and you have so much you know stories to tell around this and helpful information. You you also run workshops where I guess you go deeper into this. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of what what workshops? you run and what people if they wanted to know more and work with you or learn more about imposter syndrome how they would get involved with that absolutely yes i've been doing imposter syndrome specific workshops for about a year now uh, so um got one coming up in february i think that's the fifth time i'll have run it and it really came about because it was such a regular conversation I was having within coaching sessions and even with friends and colleagues as well. So that's that's kind of where it spun out from. It's a, just a two hour intro to uh, imposter syndrome to help give people some background like we've talked about and some practical tools to build their confidence and change that narrow sort of negative internal voice. And so but I did to it earlier. I, I really like getting to know our imposter. So we do do a bit of a deep dive into, you know, creating a persona and visualizing that and understanding what their attributes are, what their positive intent for us is. We even name them. <laughs> Bear with me on this one. But it's, it's really understanding well, when do they show up and how do they show up and what are they going to say to me so that you have a little bit of, I guess, foresight into how can I deal with them so it's not a shock and they don't knock me down at that moment when I really need to be my best so so that's kind of part of the practical side of it the thing that people say to me time and time again though is how much value they've got from hearing other people's stories so seeing other people who are successful in their own right around the zoom table if you like now and seeing that they have these same feelings of being inferior and and you know feeling like they're going to get caught out at any moment they they we all find that sharing is caring isn't it and actually knowing you're not alone is so valuable and it, it's my favorite thing about group coaching because there's so much support from within the group and it's wonderful to to be a part of that so yeah, so that's coming up in February and yeah, if anybody wants to know more on that, it's on my website and on all my social media. Amazing. I personally am booked on for your next session. So I'm looking forward to joining that workshop and seeing you in action as well. Gemma, you've shared so much wisdom and I'm so privileged that you've taken your time out of your day to kind of share that with us. Um, but where could people find you if they want to connect with you online on socials? Where can they, where can they do that? Oh, it's been a great conversation. I feel like we could talk for another sort of two hours. <laughs> There's so much in common. If people want to know more, my website is gemmabrowncoaching.co.uk. I'm on Instagram, it's Gemma Brown Coaching, Facebook and LinkedIn as Gemma H. Brown. Fantastic, Gemma. It's been such a good time chatting with you. And yeah, we look forward to seeing more of you in the future. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Getting Started podcast. If you'd like to hear more conversations like this, be sure to subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, leave us a five-star review because that really helps us too. To find out more about other podcasts, go to www.clairedurrant.me forward slash podcast. And if you'd like to find out more about me, Claire Durrant, you can find me on Instagram at Media. Or why not connect to me on LinkedIn? You can find me by searching Claire Durrant. Mm-hmm.